uh, and to so many people that I talk about here on a weekly basis. It was brought to my attention uh, after, uh, well, not after, but but as uh, Chris Brandt, the sports info guy, and then James D. Jackson, the editor-in-chief of the Vista and a very good friend of mine, were walking to the press conference after the game. Uh, we happened to come across <clears throat> a quarterback, Chandler Garrett here, again, coming off a, a record-setting day that I will talk about in depth here shortly. Uh, and when we introduced ourselves, he did tell me, informed me that he was a huge fan of the podcast and listened to almost every every episode. Uh, really shocked me at that point in time. I, I had no clue. And then uh, Chris Brannick, I uh, had to make it even more of a shock to telling me that it was very popular uh, among the players. Now that, that obviously it caught me off guard. I was surprised. Uh, I was, was more of, I was floored. Uh, but it really means a lot. It, it really means, means a lot that, uh, you know, that, that the people that I, I talk about weekly here, um, I, I know that a couple of them, um, Corey Brown Jr., O'Shea, and then most recently, Chandler Garrett here, follow me on Instagram, and I do appreciate that. That really means a lot. I'm glad uh, that you are liking the content I'm putting out about you all. I, I, again, I, I had no idea. I thought mainly it would, you know, supporters. Uh, of the of the team parents, but I had no idea that the, that the players themselves uh, followed the podcast that closely. It really means a lot that they also enjoy it uh, because at the end all be all here, the content creator sure you know the views are nice and and whatever revenue you get off of it is nice, but but at, at the end of the day, the content your main goal is for people not only yourself but for others to enjoy it and to fact at the team as a whole uh the program is enjoying it it really does mean a lot to me it it, it really uh helps me know that, I, that i'm going in the right direction and and any player here uh you know if you ever have any concern or, or, or question about the way i'm talking about you please not hesitate to to reach out i'm a very reasonable person i'll leave my uh, instagram and facebook and twitter although i rarely ever use twitter other than to retweet um but you can still dm me there if there's ever if there's ever any kind of uh concerns or you have interest in coming on the podcast at any given time please there's an open door policy here uh just 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 get in contact with me again and i'd be more than happy to bring you on so again, I just wanted to go ahead and give them a shout out here. That really means a lot uh, that, that they do take the time. I know it's busy for a student athlete here, but I, I do appreciate their uh, support and love of, of the podcast. And it really did truly touch me. Uh, and and it, I, I really I really appreciate it here. That, that really means the meat needs to grow. When I started this, I, I just wanted to simply get information out uh, about the quality of football that was being played in Edmond and that was overshadowed uh, by some of the bigger schools and I had no idea it would grow into what it has. So again, to everybody who listens, uh, whether you are a player, a coach, a parent, a supporter, or, or just a general fan, I appreciate it. Uh, all, this, all the support really means a lot to me. Now getting into back into the podcast here, uh, we're going to start off with some, with some soccer news. Fresh off the press, this is Sunday. Uh, soccer improved to 12-4-2 with a clean sweep uh, this, this weekend. And starting with, with a one win, well, not this weekend, but this, this week, with a one nothing win over Newman on Tuesday. 
and a one nothing win over Rogers State. Uh, about maybe an hour or so ago today, they're competing in the MIAA tournament on Friday, so I like to wish them luck. And then they also received a prestigious award. It was brought to my attention that the University of Central Oklahoma soccer team earned the United Soccer Coaches inaugural team pinnacle award, ending the Broncos in the top 2% of women's soccer programs in the country. Uh, UCO 2018 team was recognized for the sportsmanship, academics, and its success on the field. The Broncos are one of three out of out of over 300 Division II schools to be honored and one of only 17 NCAA women's soccer team to garner this new recognition. For a team to be eligible, it must have received the platinum, gold, silver, or bronze version of the college team's ethics and sportsmanship award. UCO earned the gold award. The team must have achieved recognition in the classroom as a recipient of the college team academic award. Central made uh, made that that made, made, that, made that list two with a 3.46 GPA and a team must have a winning percentage of 750 or higher during the, during the respective season. The Broncos had a 0.916 win percentage. So I want to wish the soccer team there, I believe uh, head coach Mike Hook, uh, much congratulations on that, on that award. That is a huge honor once again. Broncos doing great things on and off the field. Volleyball uh, moves to 17 and, two, and 10, uh, after suffering a three to two loss to Missouri Southern on Tuesday. And a 3 nothing loss to Washburn, who was one of the better teams in all of Division Two, on Friday. But it did end on a high note with a 3 nothing win over Emporia on Saturday. Uh, they host Central Missouri on Friday at 6 p.m. at Hamilton Fieldhouse. And Northwest Missouri uh, Saturday at 7 p.m. also at Hamilton Fieldhouse. So I encourage you to go out there and support the volleyball team. Wrestling, the season kicked off today and it was a very dominating season opening win for i believe the 18th ranked wrestling team uh they defeated jewelry pretty handily here 41 to 3. they traveled to oklahoma city university on sunday for a 9 a.m start so uh early bird gets the warm gets the warm there i got some basketball basketball officially tipping off this week excited to see what head coach Dan Hardiker and new men's coach Bob Hoffman does this season. The women tip on Friday uh, at noon in Alva against Mary, and then they play Northwestern Oklahoma State Saturday in Alva at 5 p.m. Men also tip off on Friday at 2.30 in Alva, also against Mary, and then they play Northwestern Oklahoma State Saturday at 7.30 in Alva as well. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the teams here, I will try to make a more a concentrated effort to get to a couple of games this past season. I've heard good things uh, out, of, out of both programs, especially the men's program. I'm excited to see what, what changes are made under Bob Hawkins. He's a very established coach, uh, at both, both in the national rankings and the uh, local state rankings here. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the program Details. Now, moving on here to the main entree of the podcast, as always, that is UCO football, and I have to happy to report 
after a very slow start, uh, UCL was able to put the hammer down, especially in the second half here, uh, where they outscored Missouri Southern 35 to 13, mainly in the fourth. But UCL outscored Missouri Southern 28 to six, in route to a 52 to 27 win. And now before we get into the recap here again, well, it seems like it would be occurrence here. I'm going to give you on some of the injuries. Uh, Jakari, Jakari Hunt was out. I was told it was an ankle injury. Uh, Adrian Cross was out. Uh, Peyton Scott, however, he was back and did start the game. And then T. Will Robert, the true freshman out of Ardmore, uh, was the starting cornerback uh, uh, um, on Saturday. So we we, so we, we, we begin the game here. You see a toast to receive for what I was told was the first time all season. A very promising drive. Uh, was thwarted because of a fumble. Uh, it, it was then returned for a touchdown. Um, we, I think Preach, though, I think Preach might have been down on that, but you know there, there was there was there was no review. Uh, they tended for a touchdown, so it was seven nothing fairly early on in that game. However, uh, Chandler Garrett uh, uh, orchestrated in the promising drive on the second drive. Uh, it, he also would then fumble the ball that was, that was recovered by Southern uh, by Missouri Southern, and then they would score on a 43-yard touchdown pass to Charles West on a wheel route. As we know, the wheel routes here have been a problem uh, for UCLA the past couple of weeks, and it's it, it weird its ugly head again here. The UCLA found themselves quickly in a 14-nothing hole. Now again. Uh, I, I, you weren't necessarily worried at that point because you saw we were able to move the ball relative ease here. It was concerned that we were not able to finish the drives and weren't able to at least get three points off of the drives. But however, that would be rectified. Now we got another close call here. Uh, we were driving again, preached a, 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 a nice catch. He would then fumble the ball at the one yard line. Uh, the on the it should have been a touchdown, but it, it was fumbled at the one. It went out of bounds, thankfully enough, and then Chandler would punch it in from one yards out. They get a 14 to seven game late in the first. Not looking noted two on in the first quarter. Uh, tackle Jacob Blair would would be injured. I'm not sure what happened. I do know that he was helped off the field. And then in the, in the second half on the sideline in a walking boot. So not sure what injury it was or how bad it is, but I do want to wish Jacob Blair a speed recovery here. I know I know that I know that he is a senior and next week is senior uh it will not this week. This week is senior day against North Michigan State. So I, I hope um he's able to play in that, but if not, I, I just wish him a speed recovery here. Uh, for Jacob Blair, I know he had found some injury issues in the past. Now, uh, must be noted too in that first quarter, Draquan Brown. Now, uh, we did get a chance to talk to Coach after the game for about 13 minutes. We really appreciate that. Uh, we will have a soundbite here, and as always, the uh, full press conference is below. Uh, Draquan Brown, I think, knocked his second or third sack on the season. Now, I was told he was moved to defensive end, uh, which, has, which has obviously been a huge boost for UCO and Draquan Brown and Brown himself. Uh, and then in the second quarter, Draquan Brown would also 
get his second sack on the day. Um, and it, it, looking here, as far as my notes go, in the second quarter, uh, Byron Burns did get shake, did get shaken up. He 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 would return, but Isaiah Miller, the true freshman from Millwood, would come in again. Isaiah Miller has been playing strong football here as a, as a late, and again the future is bright. I'm not surprised by this. Again, and I mentioned in the signing day, uh, I, I figured Isaiah Miller come from that the well-established Millwood program would definitely be a guy here. Uh, that I felt like could have pushed for early playing time, and he has indeed done that. Uh, you should have then throw a, a, a interception on the following drive. However, the defense will come up big again as Killer Murray and uh, Derek Shaw, the North Texas transfer by way of Broken Arrow, would come in each with a half sack. So that was three sacks in the first half there. Uh, they would come away with a stop on fourth down, and then UCO would strike again here as a big 60-yard pass to Dustin Bosque to the 60-yard line. Uh, two plays later, T.J. Roberts would run it in for a touchdown. We were tied at 14-14, then UCO would add a late field goal here for 39 yards by Alex Covado with a minute to 58 left. Uh, in the first half, and then Daniel Bauman again. Daniel Bauman, I, I asked coach about Daniel Bauman as well because Daniel Bauman, as you recall, last week led the team with three pass breakups. Uh, again, I have seen improvements from him. I will talk more about him in depth whenever coach does. Uh, but he got a very clutch interception, it, it was spectacular. I uh, really made a play on the ball, and I know. If you watch sometimes the second day of the minus Colby or O'Shea really have trouble making plays on the ball, but they have bombing on that play. Very difficult interception to make. As a matter of fact, we had video of that interception. I want to give a shout out here to uh, Raven Ray of Music Radio Sideline reporter for making that video recording because that was a very nice interception so we have that as well so a complete team effort here on the show show to give you the most immersive experience possible so that's how the first half would end with a 17 to 14 UCO lead uh UCO will come out in the uh, well yeah then, uh, then we'll be starting the third here um, what we at here? So it, it was back and forth, scoreless until we're looking here. Uh, Chilling Garrett again. Now uh, I'm gonna mention here he had a record-setting day. Uh, made uh, made again what he seems like he's done the past couple of weeks here was just getting the job done. Now we're talking about here. This is following a drop touchdown by Dustin Bosses here on a fade. Uh, two plays later, Garrett would avoid a sack and a face mask. And then I'm gonna add you as pointed out to me on the replay by Chris Mack that he actually pointed at the face mask call. I uh, would then cut up the field, run over a defender for a touchdown. It was truly a wonderful highlight right there. Again, uh, that, that right there uh, just shows you the kind of skill level that he possesses when he's running with the football. So that would UCO a 10 point lead uh, at that at that point. Then we had an exchange here, a turnover on downs. UCO would get 
a stop on downs, and then Missouri Southern, who was one of four on fourth down on the day, I believe. I will take we'll verify that when we get into the box score. Uh, they what you see would then would also turn it over on downs, and then will result in a 37-yard touchdown pass from Jacob Park to Benjamin Phillips. Uh, so then it made it 21 to 24 here. So again, we kind of had a back and forth contest entering the fourth. Uh, but that is where Chandler Garrett again a very impressive run. Uh, this is uh, uh, he's heat now. He's not necessarily the, the fastest guy in the world. Okay, now at 6'4, he has long, long legs here. Boy, let me tell you, it, it was. This run, and I believe it was a run against Wasbro. I think the one that set up the game with a field goal. Uh, where that's two of the fastest runs I've seen him. I've seen of him in the past couple of seasons. Here, uh, he had a 55-yard touchdown run. Let me tell you, when I say he turned on the Jets, he turned on the Jets. I, I, I was we were in the press box, my man James. Uh, we were kind of surprised we did not know that he possessed that kind of speed, but it seems like anywhere from that 40 to 50 yard range here, Trevor Garrett has some burners. Uh, that would put him over 200 yards. That is the first 200 yard rushing game by UCO Broncos since Bruce White, as a name I almost forgot, forgot about here, did in, in the 2017 bowl game. So that right there, in the fourth, uh, obviously, right, right, uh, right there is, is huge. Uh, but Chandler Garrett did not stop there, as again, we will uh, discuss here. Uh, then, uh, uh, then on the ensuing drive here, UC would force a fumble. Jeremiah Hill, uh, a well-timed hit on the run back. Now, let me tell you what this right here uh, was just quality top-notch linebacking play. Okay, because they ran a toss, Charles West, and mind you, Missouri Southern, the whole game went out of the shotgun. Myers, the quarterback, sneak a couple of times. Uh, as soon as the toss got to Charles West, Jeremiah Hill was just Johnny on the spot. It delivered a massive hit. Now, I will say, Dylan Hall also laid a couple of big time hits in this game. I, I, was, I, I, I enjoyed the physicality of the defensive effort that we have seen now in the past couple of weeks, but it, it, it was a big tackle by Jeremiah Hill. It forced a fumble. Uh, Missouri Southern would recover it, but it was a 12-yard loss. That drive would go nowhere. Uh, TJ Roberts would then punch in another touchdown on a two-yard run. It'd be 38-21, 9-18 left in the game. So at that point, Feeling kind of optimistic here uh, with the, you had a three-score lead here late in the game. Now, again, Missouri Southern, a team coming in, I believe, averaging 35.3 points, points per game. So, and again, you're talking about Jacob Park here, a very elite talent at quarterback. So, uh, you, you, you couldn't say that the game was just, you know, won at that point because Missouri Southern a very explosive offense here and they will prove that point by getting a 70-yard touchdown again to benjamin phillips here uh now this was one where chris lewis who coached will talk about uh, again two 
in one of the sound bites here. Played what I would call a solid game. I mean, they, they, they threw the ball a lot on Chris Cruz's side of the field. Uh, now, wisely, I, I, I would I suggest, I mean, they probably went, well, because first started off going a lot to, to, to T-Roll Roberts, and then when they put in Chris Lewis, they went a lot at Chris Lewis. I think given the amount of targets Chris Lewis actually had a solid game, but instead of going, uh, instead of either going for the deflection or making the short tackle, he preferred to go for the pick and missed it. Uh, with a 70 yard touchdown. Now he would, he would actually block two straight extra points. Now we noted here, okay, he would block the first extra point. There was an offside penalty on Chris Lewis. Did not matter on the next try, but also block the punt. I mean, I'm mean not the punt, the extra, the extra point. So again, and, and when this when this happened, and I failed to mention to the bucket field goal earlier on, uh, I did, yes, they they, 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 they bought a field goal right before the fourth, and at that point, I yelled in the press box, I called it on the podcast, because if you recall, I did say numerous times that Missouri, that Missouri Southern had four kicks blocked, they actually had two blocks against Northeastern State, that was the only way Northeastern State scored a touchdown. I was on a return, and I said, "This, would, if we're looking for a block kick, this would probably be the game to get it." And we got a block field goal, technically two extra points, but only one will show up. So I want to give uh, special teams coordinator there, Tyler Holland, some credit again. That the, 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 the block units have just been spectacular all season here. Uh, we got the pump block against Lincoln. And now we have a field goal block and an extra point block. But that made it 38 to 27. Uh, then on the following drive, however, Chandler Garrett would score another another touchdown on a 14-yard run, made it 45 to 27 with 655 left. And then with a buck 34, Tuesday Roberts would uh, put the nail in the coffin on a nine-yard scamper. Making it 52 to 27, Missouri Southern would then pretty much just run the clock out. And that is how that ended in Edmond, a resounding 52 to 27 win to move UCL to four and five on the season. Uh, now, again, as I mentioned before here, overall, if we take away the uh, slow start with the, well, I believe it was three straight fumbles, uh, you know, then. I was overall pleased with the performance. I think, again, if you saw Missouri Southern, clearly an improved ball club here uh, because similar to last year, they had a slow start against Missouri Southern. I was only a 10 nothing game at the half. Missouri Southern could still not score a single point in that game, but not capitalize on it at all. So the fact that they were able to do so early on should have always have shown you that. But you see what they the, the biggest, the biggest thing here, uh, if you look at it and you look into the overall stats, I mentioned before, it'd be key for them to win the battle at line of scrimmage. And they did so uh, in, um, on both sides of the ball. That's why I asked Coach about the offensive line and defensive line, because the offensive line opened the hole 
for 358 yards rushing and nearly seven yards a carry and seven touchdowns. Uh, so again, uh, I have said that that's going to be key because if we can run, we can limit the possession of just a part. And we did that. Now the defensive front themselves here had it well in the game, probably the best on season. And a holding was very tough. 25 yards rushing on 25 carries. Uh, again, 25 yards rushing on 25 uh, carries here. I was not, was not aware of that until I was looking at the stats, and that is extremely impressive outing here. The, def excuse me, the defense as a whole, uh, again, played a heck of a game. We're talking about holding a team here that was averaging a total of 507.8 yards per game, 35.3 points, to a modest 27 point and 317 yards offense. All right, so, so, so again there, and also got three sacks on the day, all coming in the first half, and Missouri Southern only had one sack. We're looking here, UCLA had 23 first downs, 358 yards, uh, yards rushing, 215 yards passing, 573 yards. Total offense, uh, we were 7-12 on third down, over 1 on fourth. 6-6 six six at the red zone with all touchdowns. Another improvement here. As uh, we know, the red zone woes have kind of weirded their ugly head a lot of Having to settle for field goal attempts. Uh, that was not the case here. Again, 6 or 6 in the red zone. All touchdowns win you a lot of games. Win you a lot of games. Uh, three sacks on the day, and then has seven points of turnovers. Uh, then, if we look at Missouri Southern, they had 16 first down. Again, 25 rushing yards on 25 carries. Just spectacular defensive play there. Uh, 292 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception, 317 yards of offense. They were three of 15 on third down, so again, able to get off the field here uh, with, uh, with just, just I mean, spectacular defense there, I have to say. Uh, by, I would say probably by, by far here, the best of the season of your, your Cali Washburn, that becomes a run-heavy team. Couldn't really pass. I would say against a team that, that could do both. Uh, hands down, the best performance I have seen uh, of the defense this season. One of four on fourth downs. They were 0-1 in the red zone. 0-1 on field goals. Uh, three or four on PATs. Allowed, um, it allowed one, I mean, it had one sack. And then had 14 points on turnovers. So this was, again, a very astounding win. What we're hoping for, and this is what you you like to see when you still have a wide talent gap uh, over a team that, although is an improved ball club, I think I've been up to three now on on the improved ball club counter here. Um, even though they had they are improved, they have great frontline talent here. I suspected that the depth was not there. You couldn't see that, especially in the fourth because usually we're able to run the ball at will and, and it really led to a 52 point outing. So I'll further ado here, this is what Coach Bobek had to say here it was the opening statement uh, on UCL's win against Missouri Southern. You know, I was, uh, 
I was proud of our kids for, for fighting. You know, we uh, we didn't play very well early on and turn the football over and, and put ourselves in some tough spots, put the defensive defensive side of the ball in some really tough spots and those guys came through and um, you know did a really good job um, you know keeping those guys you know out of the, out of the end zone and um, you know that football team has scored points on everybody um, this season so I was I was really happy with our defensive football team and, um, you know especially after the way that the game started you know the you know the fumble on the opening drive which returned for a touchdown and then you know, multiple fumbles after that, and uh, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't clean, but we found a way to get a win. And at the end of the day, um, you know, that's what shows up on the on the record. So it's all good. So as 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 Coach mentioned, there the, the key there was the defense performance. Again, I have to give Russ Russ Pickett here a lot of credit because again, knocking three sacks here. I believe we're at six or seven sacks alone in the past couple of games. They had three sacks against Washburn. I do we have two or three against Missouri Washburn. So again, what now what, what I had suspected, you know, once we got that first sack, uh, which was achieved late in the first half by Draquan Brown against Central Missouri. Uh, that that the sacks will start coming in, and that has indeed been the case. Now again, the defensive front here, if you recall, against Washburn, several guys uh, had a well of a game, and that continued against Missouri Southern as the defensive line again made a great impact. This is what Coach had to say about the performance on the defensive line. Well, it's been, yeah, that's been, that was a point of contention early on in the season. We weren't rushing the passer very well at all, but, uh, you know, Coach Pickett's done a great job of making some adjustments. Um, some of it's been personnel. Um, some of it's been, um, you know, moving guys around and, and, and changing some techniques and a um, little bit more of a, um, you know, attack react type situation rather than react attack type stuff. And um, you know, you kind of you kind of play the run on the way to the quarterback. And so we 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 don't you know we've moved Draquan Brown down to defensive end, and he's a he's probably the most natural pass rusher that we've got. Um, you know, we've moved him and put his hand in the ground ground full time now. And, uh, you know, uh, so those guys have done a good job. He's 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 provided a spark. Michael Rios has provided a spark, being able to move into some different situations. But I think that's that's a great question because those guys, the defensive staff, has done a good job of uh, you know Coach Pickett and Coach Hill have done a good job of putting those guys in good situations where they can. Uh, go function at a higher level. So there we go. Uh, I also want to give a credit here to Coach Russ Pickett and defensive line coach Pat Hill here uh, on finding a way to help generate a pass rush that was, again, as Coach mentioned here, uh, really a a sore spot uh, because again, a lack of pass rush really makes it tough on the secondary uh, that was trying to find its way. And again, I mentioned before numerous times now on the podcast. A pass rush would do wonders, as you saw again, Jacob Park, a very highly talented quarterback, 
a, a very quality quarterback. I, I think if you were there at Edmund, you definitely saw uh, what made him a D1 prospect here, a, a guy that started uh, and played high-level D1 football. But the pass rush, again, you saw here, especially on third down. That's some of the best pass rush uh, I, I have seen. He definitely had moved around in the pocket more than I think he would like to have had to do. And then also had to step up at a step up in time, which then helped resulted in, in some in some sacks and definitely some inaccurate throws. Now the man here that he mentioned, well he able he actually mentioned two, but he mentioned Draquan Brown. Now if you recall early on I said Draquan Brown, uh Northern Illinois transfer here, had his struggles at linebacker. Okay, uh we definitely had some some missed tackles, some missed sacks. Now, uh, he's a guy here that they moved to end, and with, with that, with that, whatever works, works, because Dracon Brown passed two games here, uh, I would say has been the best he's played all season, just consistent pass for us from the outside, uh, and that has also helped. Then he also mentioned Mike Reels again, if you recall now, Mike Reels last year, uh, prior to his injury against Northwest Missouri State, uh, was probably the best interior lineman there was. Now, Mike Mills again, kind of hot cold this year. Uh, he had a nice game last week against Washington, notably when he got the sack. When he got the sack, uh, when he split the double team of the guard and center there, uh, he again was a what, what, what was a force. Uh, and Saturday's win, so again, it always helps if you have two of your better linemen playing. But as a whole here, Caleb uh, Murray also lost a half sack, and then Derek Saul, Derek Shaw lost a half sack. So it, it, it was a, it was a, a, a complete complete effort there for the defensive front. Now that would also help the defensive backs because again, the, the especially with kind of a mismatch unit here you, you, you kind of have some guys out uh colby would get run over by charles west i would get kind of shaken up that think that he he did return but still we're having we're having to start uh tiro roberts uh at a corner so it, it was imperative that we got the pass for us the pass for us was there it definitely helped but dbs though did their part again chris lewis uh, as a guy here that coach is is about to mention, uh, he stepped up big, and this is what coach had to say about one Chris Lewis. I was proud of him, man. I mean, because because that, that that group, that quarterback's probably as talented a quarterback as has played in this league since I've been in it. Honestly, from a talent standpoint, uh, I mean, I think that kid's really talented. We followed him every game, and I've seen, you know. I've seen every game, I've seen every rep that that kid's taken this season. So um, that kid's talented and they've got a good group of receivers. So I, I, I thought our I thought our defensive backfield played very well. You know, Chris Lewis played, I thought, really well until that last, gave up that last touchdown. And, and that's more of a discipline thing. And just understanding the game, you know, you don't have to make an interception or a PBU on that. You need to just get him down. We're up 17 points. Um, get him down, and that's a learning process. Kids have to learn how to play the game. And, um, 
we've got to do a better job in teaching some of that stuff too. So, you know, overall, I tend to agree with Coach. I think that the defensive backs really played a gritty game. Again, I mentioned before, in the preview of last week, Missouri Southern, his shortest receiver out of the trio was 6 to the awesome pad. Uh, six seven Dwayne Lawson. Now they held Dwayne Lawson here, just one catch for six yards. Uh, and the leading receiver actually, if you take away Benjamin Phillips, who had two catches for 107 and two touchdowns, the leading receiver was actually the running back. Okay, so I have to give the, the secondary credit there. And besides those two big plays, the Benjamin Phillips. Uh, just a really nice game because if you were to take that away, Jacob Park would have only had 18 completions for literally 180, 185, uh, and, and one touchdown. I mean that it, that that that's pretty that was about the best uh, best case scenario for the secondary here. That I think if you were a Bronco fan. You could hope for now again. I mentioned before in the opening, Terrell Roberts was taken out early, but uh, Chris, Chris Lewis again, I believe, with the Juco uh, that, 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 they, that they brought in in the offseason here uh, has played some, but not to the extent that he played Saturday. Uh, I was really impressed by him. I was also impressed by one Daniel Bauman. I think Bauman again, I keep bringing up whenever UC was playing taller receivers. Uh, as he's the biggest corner on the roster. He's a guy that's also had a rough season. He was a call here. He started early, then got bids, have kind of worked his his way back, and definitely has come on strong here the past couple of games as well. Now, I mean, he had three, he led the team with three breakups against, against Wasburn. Again, with his size, I remember speaking to, um, Coach Bobek, it was either was it after the season or during the spring, and he talked about how, uh, oh darn, 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 his name, his name, uh, it's now the DB coach at Broken Arrow. Oh, I can see Malik Walker. I'm, I'm Malik Walker might not have been the most talented guy, but because he was so long and big, it made it difficult to throw on him. That's what we would like to see from Daniel Ballman. I think that's what we're starting to see here from Daniel Bauman, uh, especially these past couple of weeks. And this is what Coach had to say about Daniel Bauman's performances as late. Oh, no, Daniel's, Daniel's long. You know, he's long and he does a really good job at the line of scrimmage. You know, that route that he got the interception on wasn't an easy, that's not an easy, because there's a wheel route and it's essentially a double move. and. Um, you know, he, he's having to ride the hip and then turn his eyes back once he rides the hip and locate the football. And uh, he did an exceptional job. He's a good football player, you know. So, um, you know, he's played well. I've been proud of Daniel, you know. Played early in the season, you know, he played, he played okay. Um, you know, got replaced at one point and has, has found himself back in the starting lineup and responded well. But, character stuff, so we're very proud. Right, now, to me, the biggest improvement I have seen from Daniel Ballman has really been been playing the ball without passing fears early on. Uh, he did have that difficulty with it, and again, against Missouri Southern, 
Then he, I think he had a couple of plays uh, where he did not turn around in time, but his coach described to that interception was, was very difficult. And overall, I saw him start to react better. And so I'm hoping that we see more from this by Daniel Bowman because I think he's a guy here that's just a redshirt sophomore, really has uh, a bright future here. Him and Kobe Underwood, uh, uh, again, like, you know, Kobe hits the who clutch pick after clutch pick. Uh, and so again, if, we, if those two guys can stay healthy and stay consistent here, which is which is which has been a problem of sorts, I feel like these shows as far as corners go are, are really looking looking really good for the next couple couple of seasons there with Bauman and Kobe Underwood. Now we in the media industry call this burying the lead. I know you're not supposed to normally bury the lead, but I'm taking taking editorial privileges here and bearing the lead somewhat. Uh, and that is the performance of one Chandler Garrett. Now again, I mentioned in the opening, Chandler Garrett did set, uh, he did set some records here. Uh, and some of the records that Chandler Garrett set uh, was notably the most rushing yards in a game by a quarterback with uh, 274, four touchdowns on 30 carries, 9.1 yards per carry. Uh, he also set the school record for total offense in a game of 487 yards passing Chad Stallard. Chad Stallard had a 478 against Emporia in 2017. Now that game there, that Emporia game in 2017, First game I ever covered for UCO, an absolute classic. Came, it, it, it came down to a very wire. We thought that it might, we thought that it would be going overtime instead. Kobobek uh, called a wide receiver reverse to Josh Crockett, who was now with the XFL Dallas team, uh, who dove into the end zone there late to win that game. Uh, he broke that that record. Uh, and so again, I and and he also had, he also had my notes right here the third most rushing yards in a single game. Uh, so that um, so that that right there is also impressive. He was, uh, he was you know about fifty some odd, fifty sixty yards short of the school record three twelve by Joe Aska in nineteen ninety four. But uh, he also but. He, Oh, no, I was wrong. I was wrong. No, I apologize. I was wrong. No, he tied for second most in school history with Joshua Birmingham ran for 272 against Lincoln in 2012. So, uh, Chandler Garrett again, and then he also added 215 yards passing. So, just to tackle the football we've seen from Chandler Garrett the past few weeks of, of, the, of the season here. Uh, really getting it done on the ground. I just want to get credit to the offensive line. Uh, as Coach will mention here again shortly, but uh, it j just spectacular football. Uh, minus the interception, I would say the past couple of games, I've been really pleased by the decision-making. Uh, some of the throws uh, have, been, have been right on the, on the, the money. Uh, and again, the runs have really built you so out in times of need. You go back to that game against Ross, where in the final drive, kept the drive alive. 
Uh, and he just adds a different dimension here than both Keats and Will Collins have to uh, have to offer. And he's so tough to bring down at 6'4", when they have him listed here, at 6'4", 205 pounds, it's just so tough to bring down. And he also knows how to utilize uh, his his pads, right? They're the pad level with him that you don't really see in taller runners, but he definitely knows how to, how to, how to lower his shoulder and get the job done. So I'm gonna go ahead and play uh, the clip here of what Nick Bobek said about Chandler Gear. And then also, uh, I mentioned before in the opening, we got to talk, uh, James and I, with Chandler for a brief moment after, uh, after the game. So we're gonna play those clips back to back. Uh, you will be hearing my man, James B. Jackson, editor-in-chief of the Vista's voice in there as well. I think he asked two questions to Chandler. I asked, I asked one. So this is what Coach had to say about Chandler's game and what Chandler had to say about his own record-setting performance. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a gritty kid, you know, and, and part of it, part of it is, you know, and, and, and he had a fumble on the day and he hadn't had an interception on the day. And, um, you know, so he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily, um, extremely clean on the day either but uh you know but he's a gritty kid he's, he's he um you know if you ask him he'll probably tell you that he didn't play extremely well um you know i don't know what his passing statistics were or anything like that but uh you know he uh you know he's just a gritty kid and he finds a way to, to find a way to move the football team and um, it's not always pretty. It's not how you draw it up sometimes, but he finds a way to do it. And, um, I don't know that I can say much better about a kid. And, and he's a tough, gritty kid, and um, that's what Chandler is. And our guys follow him. It's crazy because we didn't we didn't play up to our ability today, but uh, we'll take the W. Mm -hmm. And how does it feel now that you know that uh, you broke the records? It's good accomplishment, but uh, I'm just happy that we got the win. And uh, it's kind of crazy just because we left so much out there. It could have been, we could have had a lot better day, but I'm just happy I won with my guys. And it's all credit to my O-line and the coaching staff. I mean, I just run the plays they call and they open it up for me, so. Uh, you mentioned offensive line. What can you say about their performance? Oh man, it's, they're, they're some of the best dudes I know. Uh, I'm proud to play and share the field with them. Uh, we had Jacob Blair go down, and it's just next man up mentality. And Ike goes in the center, and Ben Ralston, and Nick, and Stilly. I mean, they just do their job well, and whatever coach asks them to do, they do it to their full ability. So, can ask for a better group of guys up front. Were you, did you feel comfortable out there? It seemed like you called your own number a bunch of times. Yeah, I mean, uh, once I get hit, it seems like uh, all the nerves go away and you're just out there playing ball. And uh, it just feels like kind of what I'm born to do when I'm out here playing with my friends and just playing ball and winning games. Hey, so I, I think Coach is one of the best there. I think the best way to describe his play really in the past three games has really been gritty. Uh, he's, he's doing what he needs to do to get the job done, whether it's, it's running or passing. Uh, and, and then again, he runs he runs with a purpose. He, he, he runs hard. And I, I've just been really just blown away here by the play I've been seeing on Trevor Gator. Hopefully it will continue down the stretch. Lucio uh, tries to end the season here on a winning streak and a winning record. 
Now he also mentioned in uh, in 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 his, in, in his interview uh, that he really could not have done it without the offensive line. Or the offensive line uh, again has suffered some injuries now. Uh, they were also without Jacob Sisler and Lane Grantham in this game, uh, so that really hurt the depth. And then Jacob Blair also went down. Coach will talk about that about the personnel moves they had to make at that point in time. But I've also been pleased with the offense with the Lions play, and you recall the line at times have been suspect this season. Uh, they also have come on strong as late, especially in the in the ground game here, uh, which definitely been able to uh, help offensive coordinator Christian Hood open up the play calling here, uh, being able to take some more deep shots and and uh, and dialing up some more trick plays, whether it be the halfback pass. Wide receiver pass, uh, some some jet sweep, but the offensive line uh, improvements as of late has really been able to help UCO uh, in their in their recent offensive success. This is what Coach had to say about his offensive line. Unit. I was really proud of those guys, honestly. You know, because we're we were without we were without you know we lose Jacob Blair early in that football game and. Um, you know we're down to we're down to five right now. You know five guys that are, that have played, and um, we've got some true freshmen that were that are possible. Um, you know possible guys that we can play if we have to. And um, but I was really proud of those guys. That was a gritty performance on their part too because um, you know they're playing every snap, including PAT field goal and getting guys running into them. Hopefully we get a couple guys back next week. Hopefully we get the uh, Sitzler kid back and the Grantham kid back next week and we get a little bit more of a rotation. But man, uh, uh, Ben Ralston had to move out from, from center to tackle, um, which was interesting. And, uh, you know, and then, and then Alex Eichler had to come in and, and play kind of like what he had to do in the bowl game last year. And, um, kind of in an emergency situation, and those guys, those guys, I haven't seen the video, but I mean, it was gritty and tough, and found a way to rush for 300 and some odd rushing yards. So, um, really proud of those kids and and, and, and their performance, and the and the H back group, you know, with as many with as many tight end sets as we ran, and uh, you know, we're, we're I was really proud of that whole group, and and and, and obviously Chandler Garrett did a great job running the football behind them. So, good group. Now I don't know about you, but I, I was definitely surprised when he said he only had at that point was down to five experienced linemen uh, after Jacob Blair would, would go down. Now I will say he did miss he had to move Ben Ralston from center to tackle. I, I in my opinion now. I think Ben Rawson did a well of a job. Uh, you're talking about a guy here that's been going from interior to, to tackle. Uh, I don't I don't recall allowing a lot of pressure, if any pressure really. I was really pleased. Uh, and then he also mentioned that Alice Eckler, I believe from Edmund North, uh, they come in there uh, and also performed, uh, performed well. And I will say I have performed well because most of Chandler's runs were of the middle, so I want to give them uh, uh, those two particularly a, a really big time a shout out here because they, in, sh in short notice, 
they, they came in there and kept the offense humming along. He also mentioned the ace packs. Uh, Marshall Tolson would get hurt in the game. I think it was an arm. We're not entirely sure what happened. All we know was there was a pile. And after everybody left the pile, he was on the ground in pain. So I'm hoping there was not, not, nothing serious there. And then Dante McGee, the, the, this guy here that I've been high on. Uh, he was a former running back at UConn here. He also had to have three catches for 21 yards. But really had some nice blocking there, especially on those touchdowns uh, from TJ Roberts here on, on the uh, perimeter. I would say it's a quality blocking. There's not one holding call on him. So I also want to give Dante McGee here some credit for really stepping up, especially when they had to go to more heavy personnel packages because of the injuries on the offensive line. Now there's finally here, there is a couple of more guys before we get to the individual stats here. But I definitely want to give some credit to Now I know they're kind of overshadowed here because we always mentioned the uh, success of Dustin Boskis and Preach Phillips. But whenever I can, I would like to mention these two receivers' names because to me, they have been playing some great football uh, in the in the limited opportunities that they've gotten. And that is one, Dawson Huddleston from Marlowe and Johnny Bizell, the fourth from Carl, from, from, from Carl, Carl Albert now. I was glad to see that I was not alone in that, as Coach will go on to tell you here, uh, that those two guys have been big for him. And so this is what Coach had to say about the impact of Zelda Fourth and Huddleston. Those kids are, those kids are tough kids, and, and they just do what we ask them to do. Those kids have played a lot of different positions because it's been a little bit of a revolving door at the wide receiver position. We're pretty beat up, I mean, with – you lose Mikhail Hall uh, in Central Missouri. You lose you lose uh, uh, Josh Moore this week. You know he's he's back at home at a funeral. Um, you know Tyrone Howell goes out early in the year with a shoulder injury, and um, so those guys have kind of had to be a jack of all trades in the, at the in the receiving core. So it's been a, it's been a tough year with some of that stuff and. That, that constitutes some of the sloppiness, and, and, and there is no question about that. But I, I'm very proud of those kids. They've, they've found a way to keep fighting. And, and uh, you know, Dawson Huddleston with the big onside kick recovery, you know, got, you know, got lit up on it, but, you know, found a way to hold on, which I thought was a big deal to go down and score and separate again. So, uh, tough kids do a great job. Now, I first want to start here by sending my condolences to uh, Josh Moore on his on his loss to Chosho. We'll, we'll be keeping him in his prayers and we will see the best uh, moving, moving moving forward. Uh, but getting back here to to the impact of Bazell and Huddleston here, uh, a coach mentioned a very, a part of a very good point here uh, of the the loss of Mikhail Hall and Tyrone Howe. Now, not only uh, was Mikhail Hall and Tyrone Howe also fairly big receivers, Mikhail Hall six six two, I believe, and Tyrone Howe about six for three. They also had a blend of size and speed here. Uh, Mikhail Hall especially came out strong towards the end of last season. I was looking forward to seeing. 
what he was going to do uh, this season in, in a bigger role. But unfortunately, I believe he has a hip injury and then Tyrone Howe with the, with the, with the shoulder uh, has really limited them on uh, the season. So that, that has definitely caused Rizal and Harrelson to step up. Now, of course, mentioned before, Harrelson had the big onside recovery, onside kick recovery. He did get walloped. Now, someone that gets walloped often, I was telling um, James this. I was like, it seems like every time Fernando Brazil the fourth makes a catch, he just gets walloped, man. And, and it, that, that was the case again because he made two catches uh, in, in, in the game, and both times the man got walloped here. I mean, I, I don't know what people have against this guy, but by all accounts, to me, he seemed like a, a, a nice guy who's just going out there trying to do his job, catch the football of the team win. And, you know, he just, he just gets destroyed. So uh, I, I want to give him, him credit on being one tough individual right there, uh, along with Dawson Huddleston, because their play will be needed again moving, 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 moving forward. Uh, but now, as we wrap up the recap here at Missouri Southern, Looking at the individual stats, again, for Chandler Gale, 30 carries, 272 yards, four touchdowns, 9.1 yards per carry. And we have Keiza Roberts here at three quarters of play, 14 carries, 46 yards, three touchdowns, 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, Peyton Scott, three carries, 16 yards. And Taz Griffin, four carries, 16 yards. In passing Chandler Gary, 16-22, 215, one interception, one of 60 receiving wise. Dustin Boskis, four catches, 89 yards. Monte Phillips, uh, three catches, 53 yards. McGee, 321. Zelda Ford, two for 25. TJ Roberts, two for 11. Peyton Scott, one for 10. Dawson Huddleston, one for six. Uh, then we're we'll looking here at the defensive performance. The new tackler, Dylan Hall, again, missing the fourth early in the podcast here with Lane the Wood. It's something that, that you always like to see from the linebacker court. Uh, O'Shea, five tackle, Daniel Palmer, five tackle, one interception. Again, led the team with three with three pass breakups. That's six in two games. Now, we must mention Dent Bomber in two games. Six breakups, one interception. That is a heck of a stat line there. Uh, Isaiah Major, five tackles again, a very promising future. Uh, Byron Burns, three tackles, one TFL. Killing Murray, three tackles, uh, half a sack, half a TFL. Jeremiah Hill, three tackles, one TFL, one forced fumble. Dylan Buckheit, another guy that we believe has a bright future, two key tackles. Mike Rios, two tackles, one sack, two TFLs. Dracon Brown, two tackles, one, uh, is it two sacks, one TFL. And then Derek Shaw, uh, a half sack and a half TFL. Uh, Kobe and Tiro Robert combined for four tackles. So again, overall, I would definitely please with the performance of what I saw Saturday, and hopefully BCO can 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 uh, continue that because this week it is not only Senior Day, which is bittersweet uh, because this, this will be the last time that program stalwarts such as 
Charles Stilwell and Nick George and O'Shea Harris, among others, will be playing in Warren Stadium for the last time. But it is also the time for the Battle for President's Cup. Now, if you recall last season, okay, when we came on here uh, and we recapped the game, I, I, I don't recall how long it was. I, I, it probably was longer than, than it needed to be because it was great. I took great joy in recapping what I believe is a 62 nothing win, uh, in which the bag of running back Justin Curry. I believe almost had 200 yards rushing alone in the second half. Uh, that was a very enjoyable game to watch. Uh, now, I am looking for a similar, if not better, outcome this season. Uh, Northeastern State, as I mentioned last episode, now I probably should not have used the word, the term trash when describing them. So I'm not gonna do that. I want to issue an apology here. I don't know if there's any Northeastern State fans People, people associated with them here to listen to me. I apologize calling team trash. Okay, what I probably should have said was uh, they're having a rough first season under new coach J.J. Eckert, uh, and they currently sit at 0-9 on the season. They are the only winless team in the conference. Uh, they are coming off a 79-0 loss against Northwest Missouri State in Maryville, Missouri. That was 49 and nothing at the half. Um, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you folks. Okay, this is probably going to be a very, very quick part of the podcast, which is why I went into greater detail on the recap. Uh, because it's going to be a very quick rundown. Because if I'm being honest here, now, uh, again, I want to say we should not take these guys lightly. This is a rivalry game. You never know what happened in rivalry game. A win here would definitely make the season. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure any win would at this point. But a win here would definitely make the season. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure they would love nothing better here than to secure UCO not only a loss in the, in the rivalry, uh, but to but to to secure them a senior day loss and a and a losing season, so it's still important that you still, you know, come out there and handle the business and take care of it, so we so we can send the seniors off right. Uh, that being said, if we're looking at the box score last week, uh, it was bad. Damn, just be real honest with you here, it was really bad. Uh, now, these are stats in four quarters. Okay, now some of these numbers UCO can achieve on three drives. So I just just want to put this out here somewhere the last week. Okay, when I mentioned that they allowed 86 points, now it must be noted too. Okay, after doing further research on that, and I apologize for not doing it beforehand, uh, but I was doing prep uh, for. Uh, Lacking the prep before Saturday to make sure I had all the stuff I needed to look out for. It turns out that Missouri Southern now they kind of did Northern State State dirty here. Uh, they were they they were they still had the starters in the whole game. Okay, they, they they passed the ball on a third and long, about three minutes left left to go to get the 86 points. Just unnecessary. Uh, you really hate to see that. I mean that. And honestly, it's classless here. Uh, at least in my opinion, I mean, at some point, you got to call the dogs here. 
Uh, so I, I, I'm gonna say this, I'm not upset by UCLA's win. I honestly wish UCLA would've scored on those first two drives. We would've had almost 70 on them, so. Uh, but, but again, that's just that's just not a good move by Missouri Southern. Uh, but looking here at Northeastern State stats, 11 first downs. Again, this is the their game against Northwest Missouri. 26 rushing yards on 36 carries. They, now, you might be wondering what they had uh, before the sack yards. They had 96. So they had uh, lost 70 yards of sacks. But 104 yards passing, one interception uh, for the game. 130 yards of offense. Uh, their punter, uh, Mr. Tim Davis, punted a school record 14 times. So they had more punts than they had first downs. Uh, then looking here, they were one of 16 on third down. Uh, wow, okay, that, that is steep. Uh, all one on fourth, and they knocked one sack on the day. Of uh, Northwest Missouri, 19 for only 19 first downs, a uh, 443 yards rushing for 11.7 yards carry. So, uh, you know, for UCLA team that had ran the ball well the past two weeks. Uh, right now, you know, I, I, I have to think, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying this, uh, that if, if Kevin Gear was able to run for with 272 uh, and against an improved Missouri Southern defensive front, uh, I like to think here we have a chance. Now, I, I don't know again what if, if we're gonna. I'd like to think we keep running the ball, but that the way we have been running the ball has been deadly. I like to think that we keep it on the ground here. I don't see why, especially we get Len Grant in the back and sits in the back. Really, why we could not have more success on the ground. I mean, when, 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 we're, when we're looking here, again, we had 358 rushing. I, I really don't see why we could not have around that 400 yard mark here. Uh, I, I, I really, I really don't. Uh, especially when we get into the, the uh, overall season stats here for Northeastern State, I, I, I don't see why we could not have a big game running the ball. I really don't. Uh, Passing-wise, Northwest Missouri, uh, 178 yards, two touchdowns, only three incompletions, uh, 621 yards of offense, punched ball six times. Uh, they were three of 11 on third down. So, Northeastern State, uh, at, at least to their credit, uh, held the three of 11 on third down. They also went in top for, for just about, about, about five minutes. Uh, North uh, Missouri State was two and two in the red zone, had five sacks, and was over one on field goals. So you know, not a lot of power in there. Northeastern State. We're taking a look here in their overall team statistics. They're bad. 
Okay, they're, 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 they're just, they're just downright bad. I, 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 I'm gonna read this to you. You know, I gotta lie here. I, I, I was doing research Saturday night and uh, it, 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 it was, it was sad. It was sad in a way you feel kind of bad for him because if you read the recaps, which I do, the kids are trying their best out there for them. Uh, but the talent gap between them and the, between them and, and, and even Lincoln uh, is is just wide. I mean, Lincoln is a one-dimensional team that they cannot pass. Uh, Zaire Franklin is a dominating running back. I think he had 215 in, in, in the 27-9 win, but it, it, it's something to be said, though, when you can't crack double digits against the second-worst team in the conference here. There's such a wide gap in talent between them and the rest of the conference, uh, so much so that they need to stack like this. Now, the best way I can sum this up for you before reading off these stats if you recall Kansas, uh, the first year under David Beatty, how inept that ball club was, uh, that is some decent state right now. I, I would have to make a comparison uh, because by all accounts, according to the recaps, uh, they, have, they, 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 they play hard for four quarters, much like Kansas did during that season, but the town level just is not there. Uh, so just keep that in mind as I read these stats off to you here. Okay, uh, they are averaging, now obviously we start with the offense. In, what, nine games? And they have scored a grand total of 86 points. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, that is because that is the amount of points that Missouri's going to score against them in one game. Yeah. So why? Uh, just, just, you know. Put it out there. Uh, they're averaging 9.6 points per game. Uh, they're averaging 103 yards a game rushing. As, as, as I mentioned before, the ground game, while not spectacular, okay, it is decent. Is decent. Um, they are averaging three yards to carry, which I, I, I was surprised to see. So again, the ground game is the strength. Now, uh, passing wise, oh, um, they're averaging 139.7 yards per game, five touchdowns to nine interceptions. As a matter of fact, the ones who were 10 offensive touchdowns in nine games. You can do the math on that. Uh, they are averaging 243 yards a game. Uh, then we're looking here on third downs. 21% I completed 28 on the season. Uh, over 14 on fourth down. Have allowed 24 sacks. So uh, again, UCL now. Well, the greatest sacks have been rolling in. This could be a game, and hopefully it is, where we see another three or more sack performance here. Uh, and they also three or four on field goals. Uh, they are 12 or 17 in the red zone, which is 71%, uh, with 53% with of them being touchdowns. 
Uh, they are nine of 11 on PATs for 80%. And they're scoring by quarter breakdown. It, it's, uh, it's just bad. It's, it's bad now. Okay, as noted here in the fourth quarter, they had the lowest margin, okay, of differential uh, being outscored by 31. Now, also noted here, in the fourth quarter, a lot of teams have in their backups. Uh, so, in the first quarter, they outscored 23 to 172. And say this, in the second quarter, they outscored 172 to 10. In the third quarter, or 135 to 29, and in the fourth, 65 to 24. Uh, then looking here at the individual stats here now, they use three quarterbacks. Uh, I don't think, unlike UCL, I don't think it was due to injuries. Okay, I, I'm just going out there and say that right now. I do not believe it was due to injury. The leading passer here, Redshirt Freshman Jacob Medrano, six foot two hundred from Muskogee. Now, uh, obviously, here they make a telequal. Uh, they're going to have more Oklahoma kids than any team that we played this season. So, I, if they if they are Okies, I will be reading off where they hail from. Uh, he has eight hundred and seventy-two yards passing. Three touchdowns to seven interceptions, 57.5% completion percentage, and 103.4 yards per game. Then they have senior Jake Pruitt, uh, 6'2, 225. He has 370 yards on the season, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 49.5% completion, 52.9 yards per game. Then they have junior Quez Allen, 6'2. Uh, 25. He has 15 yards passing, but is also uh, among their top rushers here. I believe he is their third leading rusher with 23 carries for 136, uh, 5.9 yards per carry at 17 yards per game. Uh, then moving on here to the rushing attack, they're led by senior Kevin Jackson, 5'9", 195. A Big Home transfer, you recall Big Home was in an IA program, I believe, uh, they, that, that folded a couple of years back. Some of their guys transferred to other smaller programs in the state. Uh, Kevin Jackson being one of them here. Uh, leaves the team in rushing with 135 carries, 442 yards. Uh, three touchdowns, 3.3 yards per carry, a 49.1 yards per game. Now, I do know, I believe he had a 100-yard game this season against somebody. Now, and to me, this is the strength of their team. is probably going to be running the ball. Now, they do have a couple of more uh, pretty big-sized running backs here. They have redshirt freshman Isaiah Davis, 5'11", 215, Texas A&M Conference transfer. Uh, 43 carries, 192, one touchdowns, four and a half yards per carry, 21.3 yards per game. Then they have senior Boo McKnight, 6'2", 240 from Independence. So I'm assuming he was a teammate of Stefan Starks. Anyways, though, uh, 26 carries, 124, 4.8 yards per carry, 13.8 yards per game. And then they have a receiver here. It is the Fourth leading rusher 
uh, senior Kobe Breyer, 5'8", 165, Dell City native, 11 carries, moving for 97 yards, one touchdown, 8.8 .8 yards per carry, 16.2 yards per game. So now again here, okay, they still have some big body running backs here, the smallest being a buck 95. Uh, so we need some sure tackling, okay, it's, uh, now, at, at, at 240 for Booming Knight. Uh, that is a big man to bring down. So we're going to need the linebacking core. Uh, the, the Hall, Jeremiah Hill, Byron, Byron Burns, Isaiah Major. Uh, definitely, we need the strong play to continue there. Now, we don't want to do us uh, have them establish a ground game here uh, and, 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 and really start moving the ball effectively. Now, I think, again, we're able to win both lines of scrimmage last week. Uh, the defense was able to do it also against Washburn here. We can just continue that strong play from the defensive front. Uh, I really think we'll be able to shut down Northeastern State fairly quickly here. And then receiving-wise, a leading receiver, sophomore Mark Whelan, 6'2", 185 from high school, 28 catches for 365 and two touchdowns, 13 yards per catch. Uh, 40.6 yards per game and Breyer, 23 catches, 158, 6.9 yards per catch, 26.3 yards per game. And then Jackson, the running back here, 22 catches for a buck, 21, one touchdown, five and a half yards per catch, 13.4 yards per game. And then freshman Clark Williams, 6'2", 185, 13 catches for 132 yards. 10.2 uh, yards per catch, 14.7 yards per game. Now, you might notice here, similar to Missouri Southern, okay, they do have a couple of receivers here at 6'2". Uh, so they do have some size. They, they, they do have some size, and Boomin might also at 6'2". So, uh, again, now I know they're not nearly as talented as the receivers for Missouri Southern. Uh, but again, here this is much noted. I, I don't. I, I would like again a similar uh, outing. Now I've noticed here it seems like legitimately only two receivers have a touchdown this season. That being Wheeland and no, it's just it's, yeah, no, yeah, it's just just just, just one one receiver from them on the whole team have touchdowns. Uh, so, I would like to think here with Mark Whelan being their go-to. He's a guy that I feel like you keep the most eye on here. Uh, but again, the pass rush, I, I, I think my dad would pretty much end all hope when it comes to that. And then kicking sophomore Ray Ellsworth, three or four on field goals, all of which have came in the 30 to 39 yard range with a long of 39. Uh, so looking here, you know, defensively for UCO, uh, we just gotta keep doing what we're doing. We just gotta keep doing what we're doing. You know, the old adage, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I, I, I believe right now that that should be uh, UCO's defense right now. I think that we, we, are, we are playing extremely well here. Uh, six, seven sacks the past two, uh, uh, two, two games here, uh, it allowing very low yardage, getting off the field on third down and fourth downs. 
uh, forcing the field goal attempts here. I, I, I really think that all I have to do is continue doing what they have been doing the past eight quarters of play. Uh, and we should come away with a very impressive defensive outing. Now, for, on the defensive side of the ball from Northeastern State, uh, averaging allowing 60.4 points per game, uh, 346.6 yards per game rushing with 44 touchdowns, uh, 232.2 yards per game passing, uh, 25 touchdowns with only five interceptions in line, 578.8 yards per game. Uh, then on third down, 44%. On fourth down, 64%. Uh, they have four sacks all season, so UCO pretty much in about one and one quarter game has more sacks than Northern does the whole season. Uh, 8 of 12 on field goal, 91% in the red zone, with 76% being touched down and 96% on PAT. Now defensively here, because they play so many snaps, uh, a lot of guys have a lot of tackles. Uh, and again, much like Missouri Southern here, you're just on the field, a lot of snaps, you have a lot of stats that I don't want to say are hollow, but kind of make the group look more impressive than it actually is. Uh, the lead tackler here, senior linebacker Lane Yoder, 6'6", 215 from 8R, uh, leads a team with 62 tackles, four TFLs, also has a team lead with two sacks, uh, two breakups, and two pass deflections. And you have junior linebacker Jaquil Washington, 6'2", 215, uh, 57 tackles, tie, uh, ties for the lead with five and a half TFLs, two breakups, two pass deflection, and one quarterback hurry. So, the strength immediately here, linebacker core. Now, again, a lot of tackles had to be made here. I feel like the ground game, again, uh, really should not have too tough, too tough of a time, especially if the linemen can get to the second level. Uh, there were only two linemen of note that I could find looking at the stats from Northeastern State here that we will get to shortly. Um, so I like to think here uh, that the, again, the ace backs here, if Dante McGee continues his strong play there, I don't know what the status is on Tulsa, but uh, if, they, if they also have strong games for the run game, so again, having a very big impact in this one. Uh, then, sophomore defensive back, Ty Nichols, 6'4", 185, 56 tackles, one and a half TFL. He leads the team in deflections and breakups with 11 and ward force fumbles. So again, as we see here, uh, and let me go ahead and read off the next two names here. Uh, up to the next three names before I finish. Actually, you know what? I'll read out the rest of the names uh, and then I'll go ahead and finish my thought here. Uh, then they have senior defensive back Ashton Antoine 5'11", 
Edmund Native. I believe he is from Edmund, Edmund Memorial. Uh, so, you know, this game will mean a lot for him also being a senior. Uh, 54 tackles, three TFLs, tied for the team lead with two interceptions, two pass deflections, one forced fumble. And you have freshman DB Eliza Wallace, 11, 205 from UConn. 45 tackles, three TFLs, one breakup, one deflection, one forced fumble, and one safety. And uh, you have senior defensive end Yuko Isang, 5'11, 230, 20 tackles. Uh, also, it's tied for the lead with five and a half TFL. One quarterback, Hurry. Uh, senior defensive tackle Eli Harvey, 5'11, 310 pounds. Uh, 24 tackles also has five and a half TFL, one sack, one breakup, one deflection, and then sophomore DB, Cortland Clark, 5'9", 190, a Swasu transfer, 40 tackles, two interceptions, two breakups, four pass deflections, uh, two from recoveries, one forced fumble, and one block. Now, look noted here on special teams, they have blocked four kicks. Now, two came against Missouri Southern, and I think the other two came against Wasburg. And I mentioned before here that Cortland Clark has blocked the kick. Now, the leader in kick blocks, they have two by freshman uh, defensive back, Triumphant. And I'm hoping I'm not about to butcher this man's name too, too bad. Ola Tunjai. Uh, 411 and 180. So now we need to be okay. And there is a strong point here. Um, we need the kick block unit here to bring on their A game again. There's a team here that brought four kicks this season. Uh, they, and, and so I, I just want to make sure here we have all faces covered. Uh, again, we don't want to give them any positive momentum here, uh, similar to what we did early on against Missouri Southern. But as I was saying about the defense, again, it seems to me now, okay, at least front line wise, they have some impressive numbers here. Um, to me, they have a surprising amount of TFLs for a team allowing the numbers that they are allowing here. Uh, and then Ty Nichols in the secondary here, and only a sophomore uh, with 11 deflections and breakups in nine games here. Uh, this is a guy that I feel like if you're a Northeastern State fan, uh, somebody to keep an eye on in the future here. Um, but, 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 but again, I suspect while they might have decent frontline talent, uh, that the depth again is just not there. Uh, now up front here, aside from Isang uh, and in now, Eli Harvey is a guy that again, as, as, as a nose guard, has surprisingly a high amount of TFLs here, five and a half. Uh, now at 310, uh, I'm curious to see if he demands a double team. Now again, notice here, most of him and Gary's runs have come from the interior. Uh, if, if Eli Harvey is plugging them up, That'll be a problem now. I do know last year when they played hit when they played with the state. It did not matter if UCO ran inside, outside, left, right, north, west, 
we it did not matter because they just got the yards. I'm hoping a similar outcome here uh, as far as the ground game goes. But offensively, again, I mean, I, it, it don't if it's not if it's not broken, don't fix it. Besides, besides the fumbles, I would definitely like to see a better game when it comes to ball security. Other than that, I mean, if we can just run the ball again, um, whether it be with Chandler Garrett or TJ Roberts or, who, or whoever it is, uh, and, and then once we have the ground game going here, we can take our shots deep to Boskis and preach here. Uh, so again, I feel like it, it should really, if show comes out and plays the way that we played, especially last week, uh, I would say from the second quarter on, we really don't see why this could not be another landslide victory. Similar to what we have against Lincoln, I said in the press box to James and uh, Chris Brandon, I said, I would, I would be disappointed if we don't at least score 60. Uh, you recall we score 63 against, against Lincoln. Lincoln is better than North Northeastern State is. So again, I, I just would like to see 60 on the board. The more, the merrier. Um, as soon as Robert again, you always want to beat your rivals. Uh, so again, it should be, I don't want to underestimate them because again, this is a team here that seems to be playing hard. But I, I, I just would like to think UCL Pivot on senior night. Uh, a win here would get you back to 500 before playing Emporia. Uh, you're still fighting for a winning record here. Uh, you also want to retain the President's Cup before I believe at least third straight year. Uh, you want to send the seniors outright. So I, I don't see UCL not showing up to this game. I, I, to me, it'd be, it'd be hard to picture that. Um, so I like to think here, it will be a very nice outing. Saturday, 1 p.m. kickoff at Wildman Stadium. Now, as we wrap it up here, it would give the MIAA standings update. Kearney. And if you're Kearney, now Kearney the team that I mentioned before, I mentioned uh, during the recap way back in week two, when UCL played them, that Kearney is also an improved ball club. Uh, they actually were not bad last year. What I said now, you know, with the, with the second year under a new coach, uh, that they'll be improved. Now, they are improved, and they nearly got the biggest win in probably years. Uh, they had undefeated number one in the standings, 9 and 0, of Missouri. The game was three seconds away okay, from being an upset for Kearney. Uh, it was tied at 40. They went for the game with the field goal. It was blocked. And Central Missouri returned it for a touchdown to secure a 47-40 win to keep their undefeated season alive. Now, it must be noted, um, I believe they're playing, I think, I think they're playing either, uh, oh, it's Lincoln. They're playing, they're playing Lincoln Saturday for Senior Night. Now, it must be noted, though, that in week 11, the game of the year in the conference, probably one of the better games in the year in all of the Division II football. They traveled to Northwest Missouri. Can I know what Missouri wins this week? I forgot who they are playing. If they win this week, which I'm assuming that they probably will. The winner out of that game 
Wendy MIAA. Now that's a game, if you're just a fan of, of football in general, I'm not sure what time the kickoff is, as long as it is not during the ECO game. That is a game to keep an eye out on, uh, because those are two very good ball clubs. Uh, now again, to me, as Curry just proved here, uh, and then also uh, Pitt State put a couple of, a couple of was it, was it last week, they, they, they had to come back and beat Pitt State. But, but even even when you, when you showed play them, I said they were a different team. Uh, that is a game I definitely want to keep an eye out on uh, because that is a very intriguing matchup. Uh, so second is Northwest Missouri State at 81. Third is Fort Hayes. Riding a seven-game win streak right now. Fort Hayes again, the team did not look impressive early on in the season. Now seven and two. Like the thing here, where at least able to get to a bowl game. And then at four, another surprise, Missouri Western is seven and two this year. That that is a a deceptively good football team. Uh that they, 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 they are really good. I, I'm surprised I did not take them as a serious threat this year. Uh, but they now are having uh, a, a, a really good season. A uh, five is Kearney at five and four. Six is Pitt State. Five and four. The fourth straight loss right now. Uh, Pitt State, I, I, hey, they're not going to a ball at this point. I mean, you're talking about an epic collapse for Pitt State right now. We're 5 and 0. You had the whole world in front of you, and now you're sitting here again. Lose one more. This season is done. So, uh, in trying times, then Pittsburgh team, uh, the UCL at 7 and 4 and 5, Wasburn. Uh, eight and four and five. They ran on Emporia. I mean, beat them kind of bad to L and Emporia as well. Um, last uh, last 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 week, Emporia coming in at number nine and two and seven. Then Lincoln coming in at ten and one and eight, and then on Eastern State dead last at zero and eight. So again, I suspect. Uh, UC was coming with another solid, handy win. Um, I, I like to think here, we would like to see again, see some of the battles, especially the way we're kind of banged up right now. I uh, would definitely like to see some backups here. Uh, try to keep as many guys uh, fresh and healthy for, for Emporia, because that, that game, again, I know Emporia is two and seven currently. But I, I can't see Emporia not playing their hearts out uh, on the on the senior day and the final game of, of the of the season there. But I, I think you should, should be able to come away with a win here again as long as they uh, focus on ball security here. We, we don't have a three straight turnovers to start the game uh, because because uh, otherwise you should would would not to a fast start. Uh, so again, as long as they can minimize those, I uh, continue to just pound the ball, win, uh, win in the in the in the trenches there offensively, and then execute on the deep shots uh, when they present themselves here. It should be a fine outing for the offense, and then defensively here again, also is better at running the ball. 
So you can obviously limit them running the ball. Uh, the passing game, let's, let's be honest here, folks, is just not that good. Uh, so, and again, a pass rush here on a team that has now 24 sacks. Like a single to get three, four more sacks, in there, especially Drake on Brown right now. Uh, it is, is playing great football right now. Mike Reels also playing some strong football. So I like to think here that some sacks will be on the menu as well. Uh, and then as far as their receiving core goes, to get only one receiver for them has touchdowns on the season. I like to think again, especially with the way that Daniel Ballman has been playing of late. Uh, and then you cannot underestimate the, the uh, talent of Oshie Harris, American safety. Now I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Jakari can be can play in that game. Uh, I hope the ankle injury is, is not too bad. Jakari is a guy uh, that I have been a huge fan of here just because the way that the man plays the game from a physical standpoint, especially uh, at at his his stature there. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, that he can play. And again, I'm not sure what the injury is to Jacob Blair, but hopefully he can play as well as they're both seniors. But um, that's going to do it for this, for this week's episode. Uh, next week, we'll come to camp what hopefully is a dominant win over Northeastern State. Uh, we will then preview the Emporius, a, a game there that could determine if UCL has a winning season or not. Uh, that, again, will be a very interesting game that down there in Emporia, Kansas. Uh, and then we will also um, mention the uh, seniors that will be playing in their final game uh, in the UCL uniform a couple of weeks from, from now. Uh, also, before we depart here now, uh, if you recall the fire intro that we have here with the Deuce, my man, DJ Deuce J. Uh, I have been talking to him. Uh, we have been coming up with some ways to improve the podcast. Now, not entirely sure if that will be happening this week or next week. Or no, next week. Next week or the week after. But we definitely have some things in the work here. Uh, in terms of trying to boost the quality and just some overall quality of life, little things to make the podcast better. So definitely be keeping an eye on that. I think what we're going to do uh, instead of as we did last season, where we recap the whole season after the final game, I think I'm going to simply do a separate episode recapping the season here uh if nothing more than the test after quality life upgrades that we might be that we might be making to the podcast here uh sooner rather than than later so we come on here for signing day uh for early signing day different national signing day and uh, then for spring and I, I plan to have a couple of specials like we did last season with uh o'shea and eli um, that they will come out slightly better than what they have. But I'm pleased again with the overall growth of the podcast. And again, the support has just been uh, spectacular and it means a lot to me. Uh, that's what we're looking forward to here 
and we'll also be trying to venture more into basketball this season. I still want to keep this mainly a football podcast, uh, but I know there is a renewed optimism on the, on the basketball front this year. So we might uh, be doing a couple of basketball editions of the show show. Um, nothing like too, too big, but maybe we'll do like early season uh, update and then like a mid-season update uh, and then a end-of-season update for basketball. I feel like we kind of didn't do enough on that front last year. Especially as Avery, who is now playing in Luxembourg, uh, putting up the he was putting up. So, uh, that's going to do it. Uh, my name is Jonathan Little, a.k.a. J.D. Smooth. I'll talk to you all later. That's all, folks. Bye. Have a great time. Thank you. Come again.